0: Welcome back to the podcast. And today we're welcoming back uh, Ida Walney with Walney Legal Group LLC. And today we're going to talk to Ito about business succession planning. How are you doing today? Doing good, Gary. It's nice to be back on with you. Last time we we talked, we talked about estate planning. Uh, and obviously there's many areas to go in there. Uh, but today, you know, in particular, I want to talk to you about uh, business dissection planning. And you know, tell us, get, give give us your definition of that. So, business succession planning is exactly what the term
1: describes. It's it's defining and putting uh, some roadmap together for what's going to happen with your business. You know, you can sell your business. You could have children or other family members or even employees inherit the business. Or, frankly, you could die holding the business and do nothing with it and let the chips fall where they may. So. Obviously the last option is in my opinion not the best option but you know during your lifetime
0: as the business owner you
1: have the opportunity to plan for the future of the business and and that's what we do.
0: So when you're talking about plan for the future so is this like an estate plan is it like a business plan is it a tax plan what what is it? I think
1: it's all of the above. I mean at the end of the day you want to figure out what's going to happen with your business. You know some businesses naturally just wind up. If if they are really driven by a certain person, let's say it's a consultant and, and that person has a special amount of knowledge and, and all the customers really see that person as the business. You know, that business, when that person either retires or dies uh, or just stops doing the business, it's going to just end. But a lot of businesses aren't like that. There there is continuity. There's value in either a product or a service that can continue beyond the current ownership. And so what we are looking to do with business succession planning is is help that business owner or those business owners, if there's more than one, to figure out what the next steps in the life cycle of the business is going to be. And, of course, that's going to include some estate planning because the business for a lot of people is a big part of their estate you can do business succession planning without doing other estate planning just as you can do estate planning without doing the business succession planning but they do go hand in hand in a lot of cases um that's going to include in, all, in a lot of times uh tax planning because what you do with the business will have tax implications on you and on the business um and so we want to make sure we do a holistic approach so that it ends up working out well for the business and the employees and the owners and whoever's getting that business.
0: So is this, I'm gonna say that, you know, typically, you know, a business owner creates their business plan and it's all great and everything else. They got a nice shiny binder and everything. They put it on the shelf and then they don't ever touch it again. Um, I'm assuming that when you're saying that you're doing this planning, It doesn't fall into that category. It's more like we talked before about with the uh, estate plan, that that it's constantly changing and evolving over time. So the biggest problem
1: with business succession planning is not doing it at all, which is the biggest problem with estate planning as well, right? So at least going through the exercise is a step forward. Um, Certainly, like everything else, if if you go through the exercise and put it in a nice shiny binder with a thousand pages on it and then you let it accrue cobwebs, that's not doing a whole lot of good for anybody. But, you know, there's a different way to approach the business if you're going to sell it versus uh, transition it to your children versus hold it at death and let, you know, your regular estate plan transition it. Um, You know, the best example of this is, is on the accounting side. You know, most businesses, when they're in the operational stage, are trying to act in a tax efficient manner. So, you want to pay as few taxes as possible during the lifetime of the business. I think this comes as no surprise for anybody. But when you're looking, for example, to sell the business, you know, what buyer is going to want to buy a business showing very little in terms of profitability because the structure of the business has been such that you're trying to mitigate taxes? So clearly, if you're going to want to sell, you need to change the way you operate the business. But if you're going to pass the business along to say your children, then maybe you don't need to go through that exercise. But those are two very different outcomes that are going to very clearly affect the practical operation of your business. And so without direction, you're not gonna know which of those paths you're gonna wanna go down. And so the exercise well before you actually make a decision to figure out the direction of the business is an important exercise.
0: So, you know, you bring up, you know, there being this distinct difference between leaving the business to my kids versus selling. So, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, we're we're constantly trying to maximize the tax uh deductions and, and things like that for for the owners. So if I'm deciding that okay, I'm going to sell the business. How far out do I need to really start planning this? You know, the sooner the better.
1: I I generally tell people that if you want to have a a good history of profitability, you're going to want to sit down with your lawyer and your accountant and your other financial team, ideally three to five years out, um, hopefully more, but at least that much because it takes time to change the way you operate the business. And then just because you make a decision to change, let's say the accounting, to make sure that you're maximizing profitability instead of tax efficiency. Well, now you've got to operate in that system for three and a half to four years in order to generate just three tax returns. And you know, it's not that uncommon for a buyer in a due diligence situation to ask for at least three years of tax returns. And so it takes a little bit of lead time like that in order to get your paperwork in place. So three to five years at a minimum, but more is better. Now I recognize some business owners there, you know, they're just operating to make it to tomorrow. And so three to five years is a lifetime for them. But if you have the luxury of, of time on your side, and this is just a, a glimmer in the back of your head, you give your financial team three to five years of lead time at a minimum.
0: Now, what about if it's you know family-owned business? Mom and dad been running it for years, and now the kids have kind of, kind of come up in it, and and are starting to run the business. Is it more beneficial um, to have mom and dad sell the business to the kids um, at once, over time, or just leave it to them in their estate? So when you're talking about transitioning a business to
1: children, there's all sorts of landmines that are in front of you that you've got to navigate carefully. So the first thing that I always tell people is talk to your child or children and see if they're even interested in your business You know maybe you're doing something that you've always thought little Joey or little Annie is going to love to do and man this business is, has been what's paid for their education and their car and their house and why wouldn't they want to continue this this has been fantastic and then you go and ask them hey do you have interest in continuing the family business and the answer is no you know i my interests are elsewhere this business has been great for us but let someone else have it and You know, all too often that comes as a shock to the system because, you know, the parents have always just assumed that their children are going to want to step in and do it. So step one, ask, talk to your kids. It might even be wise when they're younger to get them involved in the business. You know, maybe they're really interested in being part of the business or owning it, but they're just terrible at it. And so you want to get them involved and see if they get along with the employees, see if they have the physical and mental capacities to run the business like mom and dad did. Um, That's the next thing, you know, cycle them through some businesses are complicated, you know, maybe they come in at at a low level and start to gain experience that can become really important. The other landmine is, is if you've got multiple children. You know, maybe some are interested, some aren't. Maybe the ones that are, are, or aren't very good at certain of the positions and others are. You know, sometimes there's real estate involved, which is more of a passive investment for the business. And so there's some structuring in terms of active and passive ownership, active and passive management, management of the real estate. You know, it can get really complicated. And then if you have children who are completely outside of the business, Um, and some children who are involved with the business. How do you compensate the children who are outside of the business in a way that's fair? You know, maybe the child who's involved in the business, you know, they have had the business handed to them just the same. They weren't involved in the creation of the business or getting the business to a point of success. So they're starting from third base. How do you compensate the children outside of that structure in a fair manner? And there's a lot of different ways to do it. And then, you know, now to get to your question, you know whether you sell it to them or gift it to them or let them inherit, you know, those have implications too. Oftentimes, we see business owners simply hand the keys to the next generation. So the first problem is just doing that in a gifting manner. If the business is worth enough, is going to create gift tax implications. So this has literally happened to me. I've gotten um, letters from clients or phone calls from clients where they've gotten a letter from the IRS because you know, their business succession plan was one day, the sun would rise and the keys to the front door of the business would be on the kitchen table. And their you know, firstborn child star was now gonna be the owner. And that works great until the IRS sees a tax return where one year, you know, mom and dad have all the income and the next year the child has all the income and they start asking questions of how this happened. And you know, that business has inherent value and you made a gift and there's gift taxes. And so there could be a very significant gift implication there. So you want to be careful about how you do that. But even if you sell it, buy it, whatever, you know, if you've relied as the business owner, mom and dad, you've relied on that business for your own income and probably some of your expenses, if that business is paid for your cell phone and paid for your car and paid for some other expenses that for average Joes might be uh, uh, outside the business expenses. So the day after you transition the business, how are you gonna pay those bills? How are you gonna meet your own financial commitments after the business? And all too often we see business owners who really haven't thought about that, you know, day zero minus one situation, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they panic. And so again, it's very important, not just to think about the business in a vacuum, but to think about the wherewithal of yourself to continue financially You know, what if you sell to your kids and and without communicating to them, the structure of the sale is not sustainable for them. You know, now you've got another problem. And so all of these things really have to be ferreted out, uh, which really just goes back to the point we made earlier, which is communication and planning is really, really important.
0: Yeah, it sounds like there are a ton of of landmines when it comes to this. Um, What about if, you know, we going going down this road and you have somebody who has already done this they've already said okay i'm kind of i'm checking out of the business here you go johnny here's here's the keys we're letting you kind of kind of run things um, is there a, a good way to kind of unwind this um, to to get it corrected uh, the
1: lawyerly answer is it depends it depends what's been done. You know, if it's been gifted and things have already happened, you know, sometimes you can salvage things, but if filings have already been made and people have already relied on that transaction, you know, that chip will have already left dock and, and you you're sort of stuck. You know, we often see people try to unwind gifts, and what ends up happening is, yeah, you can do it, but sometimes it requires a gift going back in the other direction, and now you've burned two or three or four people's gift exemptions. And, you know, maybe you solve one problem, but you've created three new ones. You know, if there's been a transaction, certainly with third parties, because they're not going to be sympathetic to your own errors. But even with kids, you know, that becomes hard. And if the children are married and have kids, you know, oftentimes we see business owners really be lax with transactions with their kids, but they don't think about the fact that you know, that that child of yours has a spouse and that spouse is now part of a new family unit. And they may care a lot about you, mom and dad, but they care about themselves, too. And and, you know, that, you know, daughter-in-law or son-in-law, they don't they, they may care about you a lot. But at the end of the day, you're not their mom and dad. And so they're going to care about their own family unit and their own kids and their own well-being. And, and you know, that get out of jail free card. Um, can be really, really tricky and difficult, and have political and financial consequences.
0: So, in, in the succession planning, passing things on, no matter how you do it, if it's a gift or inherit or anything else, what are the the typical ways of valuing the business to be able to know what the gift is or what somebody's going to have to pay? Uh, we really rely on appraisals. You know, we want someone to come in. Uh, and appraise
1: the business for us. Now, if you've got an outside third party who's made an offer to you, you know that is is very telling as well. And, and the IRS, for one, always wants to know about things like that. Um, because at the end of the day, what is an appraisal? An appraisal is an estimate of what an independent third party would come and pay you for the business. I mean, that's that's the definition of the value of your business. And so if you've had a third party come and do a solicited or unsolicited offer, that's going to be at least part of the appraisal, if not all of the appraisal. But if we don't have that, then what we're asking generally is for um, an appraise, an independent accounting or uh, of the business and an actual formal appraisal. Don't rely on what the accountant told you it was worth for other purposes. You want to get a purposeful uh, valuation of the business. Sometimes we see people get two and average them or, or three and average them. But really, once you get to that point, you've at least got a pretty good sense of the value.
0: So if if someone were to get this valuation done of the business, how long is that valuation good for when we're talking about this? So, you know, because again, if, if I'm thinking about, you know, getting out of the business and I get the valuation done, but, you know, I got to bring Johnny up to speed to get him ready and it's two or three years later, is that valuation that's done, is that still good? So the answer to that question is that the valuation is good for
1: a shockingly short period of time. So I would say that you can generally rely on the appraisal pretty strongly for about three months. By about six months, it starts to get stale. By, By about 12 months, it's not worth very much at all. You know, we all know that over the course of the life cycle of a business, you know, think about the life cycle of the business in a given quarter, not a whole lot's going to change over the course of half a year. A few things could very well change over the course of a year. A lot can change. Right. And that's effectively how an appraisal works. You know, it's, it's the, the, the quicker you can use it, the better it's going to be in terms of its value. Now, it's not that hard also to update an appraisal. It's not like you're starting all back over. So it's not the end of the world if you need to pay a few more dollars just to get that appraisal refreshed. That is far better money spent than an audit where you have to admit that you relied on a stale appraisal. Um, but, you know, the, to, to, again, to answer your question, what do you do in terms of the planning? Um, you don't need to get the appraisal from day one. You know, have these conversations, start to do the planning. You have a sense of what the business is worth. You know, you're, it's, it's not going to be, you're not going to think it's worth a million and the appraisal is going to tell you it's worth a hundred million. You know, maybe you think it's worth a million and it's worth 800,000 or 1.5. That's not going to dramatically change the structure of the business. Um, what it will do is dot the I's and cross the T's. So do most of your planning, get the appraisal done, time it so that it kind of arrives right when you need it. If things go sideways, get it refreshed. Not a big deal.
0: So, what do you do if you have uh, you know, minor children, unmarried and you have a business and so and that person dies? How do you, you know, is this something that, you know, again, we go back to our estate planning that we talked about in our previous, you know, uh call or how how do we, how do you handle that? Yeah, so the business, uh, for a lot of business owners, is
1: the largest asset in their estate, Um, whether they've done planning or not. You know, for most lay people, we say their house is their biggest asset, but for almost every business owner, clearly the business is going to be the biggest asset in their estate. So if you don't do planning for the business, that business is simply another asset in your estate, like your house, your car, your investments, everything else you own. Now, this can get dangerous because, you know, depending on whether you've done estate planning and if you haven't done business planning, I think there's a high probability you haven't done estate planning either. You know, now your business is gonna be susceptible to division by the laws of intestacy of your state. Now, if you're married, oftentimes it'll be your spouse who inherits the business. If you've got children, it might be the children. You know, think about a situation where you've got a business partner and you know, you've worked with them for 30 years. Now, all of a sudden that person is partners with your you know, 18, 20 and 22 year old children who have never set, set foot in the business. Right. You know, that's not a happy result. And so yes, that business could fall into your estate. You know, not to mention the fact that if, if the business goes through probate, probate is, is a public forum. So now all of a sudden all of your business, business like the internal business becomes part of the, the public domain. And that can just be awful. And so we, we always try to keep the business out of probate, out of a will. You want to do some more sophisticated planning. At the very least, get it into a trust, revocable or living trust. Um, but the best thing to do, obviously, is business succession planning and, and avoid all of
0: that. You know, again, it, it seems like the, the more we talk about this, the more complicated it gets. It's an onion. You know, you know, and, and obviously we know that... Um, you know, with this planning there, there's, there's a cost, you know, we've talked before, even, even offline about, you know, it's like, if people just spend a little bit of money now, it's going to save them so much in in the long run. Are you able to tell us kind of a, you know, you know, whatever, it's a, a four to one type thing. It's like, know, you, whatever you spend, you know, the five grand now is probably gonna save you 20 grand later. I mean, do you have a, a, a sense for kind of, and I know it depends on the business size, uh, but kind of a, a ratio to that? So I often tell people that the cost of avoiding a problem is
1: about one tenth of the cost of fixing a problem once the problem is developed. For business owners, when you're talking about business transition, it almost becomes immeasurable because what is the value to that business owner who spent a lifetime developing that business to avoid the business going bankrupt or falling into disrepair or just blowing up or having your partner just leave and, and starting a mirror business and stealing all the, the, the clients away. To me, as a business owner myself, and frankly, as the son of a business owner, you know, that to me is, is immeasurable in terms of its value. But in terms of absolute dollars and cents, my rule that I generally tell clients is ten to one. The the value of avoiding a problem versus fix, paying to fix it
0: is is one tenth. Now, if you sat down with somebody, and and I know that that if you did business this session planning with somebody, you would also be doing estate planning. Kind of, what is the time frame length of time? You know, kind of like okay, here you know, you and I talk, you know, today, and we start talking about stuff. So from that point to the plan being done, what is the length of this process? And I mean, obviously I know there's, you know, depends on how long I get your documents and give you all the information and stuff like that. But if, if somebody were to kind of, what's the average time?
1: So this probably doesn't come
0: as a shock that most business owners
1: are not super motivated about these things, right? I say this again, I, I'm a third generation entrepreneur, both of my grandfather's own businesses, my dad owns a business, I own a business. You know, as a business owner, you, you focus on your business. The reason you're in that business is you're good at it. Now, oftentimes problems arise and you band-aid the situation and you do what you need to do to get to tomorrow, next week, next month. Now here comes a, a lawyer or an accountant or a business consultant who says, you well, you know, now you have to do this other thing. You've got a plan for what life is going to be like after you. Not surprisingly, not a lot of business owners are super motivated by that. You know, they're trying to just get to tomorrow. Right. So the practical answer to that is I, is I tell people, you know, I know what the mental, you know, the, the mental take from business owners is of this stuff. And so usually from a practical perspective, you're looking at about a year all in. Now, that's not taking a year because of me. If you just sat down with me or, frankly, any lawyer, accountant, business consultant, whatever, they can do it fairly quickly if there's a high level of back and forth and cooperation. But realistically, unless there is some driving motivation, right, you know, the, the business owner has just won the lottery and they don't care and they just want to get out or they've got a terminal condition and they just need to turn the business over. That's different because now there's an external motivation that's pushing things artificially fast. But if you've got a regular chugging along business with a regular chugging along kind of business owner, um, about a year is what I find it takes from the time that they first call me and say, we should talk about this to the point where there's a plan and really some execution it's about a year, and, you know. You've got to, you've got to weave in these conversations with children and spouses. If there's a sale, you're you're talking to the CPA and a broker, and what do you think I can get, and how do you think I should do this? Is it a stock sale, an asset sale? What about the real estate? You know, there's a lot of conversations. There's not a magic check the box, you know, legal legal Zoom where you you know check a few boxes and magically there's an answer. It just doesn't work like that. So practically speaking, give it about 12 months start to finish.
0: So obviously we've talked about a ton of landmines and different things that can that can go wrong. And I mean, obviously this is really, uh, you know, a, a big reason to have a professional like you who knows what you're talking about to, to step in and do this. What are some other reasons why it's so important to have a professional like you help with this business succession planning?
1: I mean, I think all the reasons that we just talked about. I mean, the biggest problem is that you just don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much that can go wrong. You know, oftentimes from the example I gave earlier where the business owner simply said, you know, my business succession plan is going to be that one day these keys are going to be on the kitchen table. And that's literally what happened, literally. Oh, yeah. um, that sounds great. You know, that's so idealistic but they didn't realize that you just can't do that. I mean, the business was worth so much that that created a tax situation. Now in their mind, what did I do? I left keys on a table. How could that generate? I think it was like $2.5 million in tax. You know, the mere act of me putting keys on the table, $2.5 million, that's outrageous. Well, it is until you start to really unwind what the implications of what you did really were. And so how was that person supposed to know? Again, they're a widget maker, right? You know, they're good at making widgets and and they just don't know these tax consequences. You know, perhaps if they're lucky, they'll go through something like this twice in their lifetime. Now, that's not a whole lot of experience at all, but, but people who are professionals are doing this dozens of times a year. You know, they've seen these landmines, they've seen how people react or don't react they know what the tax consequences are. They can see through the idealistic, I wanna just do this and be done and ask the kinds of important questions that are gonna make you think and finally get to a good result for you, for whoever eventually deals with the business and ultimately for the business itself. I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact that, you know, for a lot of business owners, that business is like a baby to them. You know, They started it or inherited it in, at, at point A and put blood, sweat and tears into it and got it to this this point where it's at today. And to think about blowing that up or hurting it or wrecking it would be just like hurting their own children. And so if they make bad decisions that cause that, it's gonna cause them emotional pain and harm and certainly financial harm. And so, they don't want that. And so that's why hiring a professional who can guide them through these various landmines so that they don't have to learn by stepping on the landmines. It's worth every penny you're going to pay these professionals.
0: Yeah, just just like our, our podcast, you know, grow your business and grow your wealth. Let's not give it back to Uncle Sam after you do that. Because like you're saying, it's like, you know, we've spent all these years growing it and everything else. And you don't want to make the mistake of, of passing it on in the wrong way. Um, you know, it's always, I always say it's, you know, it's not how much money you make, it's how much you get to keep. And if you're not prudent in your planning, then that's what's going to happen. Absolutely. So any parting words that you have for, for our listeners uh, besides plan, plan, plan?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I was just going to say that the biggest statistic that shocks people when they, when I talk about estate planning is that about 60 to 70% of people in the U.S. have no estate plan at all, none, nothing. The, the number amongst business owners who don't have a, a viable business succession plan has to be at least that high, if not higher. I, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know exactly what the statistic is, but if it were 80%, that wouldn't shock me at all. Um, And based on what we've just talked about, it, it is not the kind of thing that you can wake up one morning and expect that by Friday you're going to have the answers. This is a process. Some aspects of the process are literally going to take years if the right set of circumstances present themselves. So I would say that, you know, there's no better time than sooner than later to get the process started. You want to be able to make decisions in a manner that is not forced. You know, don't wait until a buyer has materialized and is pressuring you to sell. Don't wait until, you know, there's a divorce brewing in the family, whether it's yours or your partner's or whoever's. Don't wait until the doctor gives you really bad news and now you're scrambling. You want to make these decisions with clear conscience where you don't know if you're gonna be a buyer or a seller so that you can make good decisions. And so the sooner you can do it, the better. Now, it doesn't have to be day one, because again, I, I know a lot of attorneys and accountants who say this should be as important to you as, as op, you know, organizing the business on day one. I think that's false because if you don't have a successful business, maybe failure is your business succession plan. So get the business running, but once you have something brewing, and once you really have that baby growing, sit down, if you've got a partner, a spouse, family members, whatever the case may be, get your financial team together and just start having these conversations. Let it go slow. Let it unfold naturally. Don't do it in a forced manner. Far and away, that's how you're going to get the best results.
0: So, again, everybody's hearing you for the second time now, but still, let us know what, what if somebody wants to reach out to you um, and talk to you and get you to help them, how do they reach out to you?
1: Yeah, um, you can go to our website, uh, walneylegal.com. You can follow us on Twitter at at Walney Legal Group um, or give us a call 414-751-7531. Um, we are very interactive. Uh, Every call, every email gets answered. We'd be happy to help in any which way we can, even if it means just giving some advice and not charging you a dollar.
0: So today, our guest has been Ida Walney with Walney Legal Group, and we appreciate all your wise words. Thanks, Gary. Always a pleasure.
1: This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC.